Um, you know, today is a one-of-a-kind day in the life of Next Level Church because uh, in eight and a half years of doing this, we have never taught on parenting. Yeah, and it's been actually three and a half years since we've been up here together, so that's fun too. We are hoping that today will be a parenting playbook of sorts because we know that we have learned some lessons along the way, and so we want to share those with you. I know for a lot of you, you may know some of these things. For others, it may be new information, and so we're just hoping that we're all going to learn together today. You know, it's funny because I've always said that I would never write a parenting book. That parenting for me is one of those things that doesn't come easy. It's, it is, it's difficult. I feel like I'm a good parent, but I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm a great parent. And I've actually joked for a long time that, uh, you know, if parenting is such a big deal to God, then why doesn't he say more about it in the Bible? You know, like, where's the verse? You know, thou shalt change a diaper like this. You know, thou shalt deal with a teenage daughter like this. It's not in there. But what I'm coming to realize, and what we're finding out is, and what we hope to share today, is that inside of all of the normal, regular, everyday truths that we study and read and talk about every single day in the Bible, those truths apply to the parenting zone of our life as well. And maybe you felt like that before, where you just feel inadequate. You know, there is just a huge responsibility and a weight that is on us as parents. And so again, we're going to be talking about some of the things that we've learned, but let me just say this. Don't let us fool you, because we feel that way most of the time, too. And yes, we have learned some things along the way, but most of the time, we're just making it up as we go, too. (laughs) As you saw in the video, our kids, our two boys, Will and Drew, are 10 and 7. So a lot of the illustrations and things that we'll talk through today are kind of going to come, for better or worse, out of that elementary age zone. But here's what we think. We think that the principles we're talking about today not only apply to the elementary age zone, but they apply up and down the age spectrum. So parents, wherever you're at in that whole process of raising your kids, uh, feel free, obviously, to apply the principles we're talking about up and down because we think these biblical principles work. So without further ado, grab your bulletins. and We'd love for you to to fill in the blanks, follow along a little bit because we're going to talk about what we're learning, so much of what we're learning on our parenting journey, kind of our parenting playbook, if you will. So number one, here's the first thing. Every time you think you have it figured out, everything changes. Which is why, by the way, I will never write a parenting book, because every time you think you got it figured out, it changes. That's right. I mean, for those of you who have raised children, you know you've got the baby phase, right, which is um, just sheer exhaustion and lack of sleep, and you think to yourself, I've just lost my life, right? And, and so then that phase passes and you've got the toddler phase where everything is no. And you think, can you learn any other word, child, right? But just know that that phase then changes. And then you've got the potty training phase. Oh, my goodness. If you have ever laid awake at night and worried that your child could not go to kindergarten because they were not potty trained, then you suffered in the potty training phase. And then you move on to the elementary phase where when they're first young, they don't want to be dropped off at the door and they're like, mommy, please walk me in. So you have to walk them in. And then all of a sudden they cross this phase where they magically are like, uh, please, mom, don't walk me in. Right. And then you go on to the teenage phase and it just, never stops. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, and I guess maybe this is a little bit of encouragement for those of you with smaller children. I, I feel like the older my kids get, 
the easier it's getting. And I don't know if that's because I can, you know, treat them like a staff member now or what, <laughs> but it's like, boys, it's like a few months ago, Sarah was out running some errands or doing something, and the boys were upstairs playing and doing their deal. I was downstairs, and all of a sudden, you know, you hear the crash and the crying and the fighting and the screaming. So I run up the stairs, and I, when I get to the top of the stairs, I turn and I look at my boys, and they stop and they look at me, and I go, boys, I know that there's something very appropriate and and important that I'm supposed to say to you right now, but I have no idea what it is. (laughs) No lie. And I go, so listen, if you guys will just stop it until mom gets home, then she'll tell all three of us what we're supposed to be doing. They They just started laughing. So I don't know, man. It's hard. Every phase, like every time we think we got it figured out, it just it changes. That's right. Take a look at Matthew 6, 34. This had to have been written for parents, right? <laughs> it says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. <laughs> and I would say this if I could say anything. It's just wherever you're at, be all there because it's constantly changing. And you know what? If you're in the baby phase, that's okay. You're exhausted and you're tired, but it's okay. Just love that phase. And if you're in the no phase and you're getting really weary of that word, it's okay because that's going to change too. And when they get into elementary, they're not going to be there forever. So try and find the joy-filled moments that are in parenting. And and when the stress-filled moments come, try not to worry about them too much because every day is going to have a new worry. Here's a, a second thing in terms of a parenting playbook or what we're learning in parenting. Number two, define some simple truths and then keep coming back to them. Define some simple truths and keep coming back to them. In an effort to do some research for this series, uh, a few guys and I last weekend went to the Baltimore Ravens Denver Broncos NFL <laughs> football game. Research. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, it was research. It right. really was. You know, I mean, whatever, Lord, whatever you need me to do, God, I'll do it. I'll do it. Well, uh, the kicker for the Denver Broncos, his name is Matt Prater, and he actually uh, is from Astero and lives in the area and comes to our church. And so he and I uh, have struck up a friendship of sorts. And so I got to go up there and just be with him and watch his pregame routine on the field and, and you know, watch what he does and just, just hang out with him a little bit and kind of watch that whole thing happen. And uh, last spring, during the off season, we were working out at the gym together because... No, 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 no. You're going to bring up the one time that you worked out at the gym Honey, listen. with Matt Prater. <laughs> Honey, listen, anytime I work out with a professional athlete, I'm going to talk about it publicly, okay? All I'm right, I'll give you, it to you. I'll I'm give it to you. So anyway, me and the kicker for the Broncos were working out at the gym, and I was teaching them some things. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Matt, I love you. Love you, buddy. Uh, and one of the things that he said was, he said, you know, it's, it's going back to the fundamentals in the off-season. He said, that's the thing that sets me up for success. It's, it's doing the simple things right, the fundamental things right when nobody sees, that sets me up for success when everybody sees. And I think the same thing is true in our, our parenting. And what Sarah and I have tried to do over the years is just find those simple truths. Define what some of those simple truths are for our family And then just keep coming back to those fundamentals over and over and over again. What we're trying to do is we're trying to take a long view of our parenting because the day-to-day can sometimes just be overwhelming. And so you really do need to engage it and take a long view. For us, our philosophy is that we're not trying to raise kids. We're raising 
adults. We're not raising kids. We're raising adults. I mean, our job is not to raise these well-rounded, educated, happy, award-winning children. For us as parents, our job is to know that we are holding the future generation in our hands. And so we have to take this long view of our parenting. Otherwise, it can just seem overwhelming. Yeah, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Look at this verse. It's on the screens. It says this. Train up a child in the way they should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is that long view of parenting that we're talking about. Train up a child in the way they would go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. For example, one of those things around our house is respect. Man, that's a big deal. If you were to follow around our family for a week or two, you'd probably hear the word respect or disrespectful a lot because that's one of those big ideas, those simple fundamental truths that we're trying to reinforce in our kids. Let me illustrate that what she said about raising kids versus raising adults. When our boys are bickering or fighting or fussing, if we're raising kids and that's our philosophy, then parenting is all about behavior modification. Hey boys, stop fighting. But if we're raising adults, if we're looking at it with a long view in mind, then we're going to pause when they're fussing and fighting with each other. We're going to say, guys, listen, what you're doing to your brother right now is disrespectful. The way you're talking about, you know, your friend at school is disrespectful. That it's a long view of parenting. And and that's what we're after. We're not raising kids. We're raising adults. That's right. I mean, honestly, we are raising a future coworker that has to learn how to play on a team with others. Right? We are raising someone else's future spouse. And they have to know how to get along with others. And for us, if we can take that long view in parenting, we feel like we're gonna, we are going to set our kids up for so much more success in the future. Number three, do the hard work of seizing the teaching moments when they come. Do the hard work of seizing the teaching moments when they come. And this is, this is, this is a huge piece of this that's a very reactive thing. Isn't there? It doesn't it always seem, parents, like the teaching moments always come at the most inopportune times, yeah. don't they? It's like, you know, five minutes before bedtime, everybody's calm, and then all of a sudden it's like, boom, and the thing just blows up. Or like after you've had like the longest day ever, and all you want to do is just veg, and it's like, oh good, here's a teaching moment. Well, one of those things we've tried to do over the years is really just, just recognize when those teaching moments are, and then react to them, and react in the moment. And no matter how tired we are, or how close to bedtime it is, we're trying to react in the moment and go, all right, Lord, this is a teaching moment, and we're going to be all in in this moment. And finding those teaching moments, not just reactively, but proactively as well. And this one can be a hard one, because honestly, as parents, you have to think ahead of the game. You have to be a few steps ahead of your kids or a few steps ahead of the moment. And so a practical illustration of that is we've all had the moment, haven't we, where our our kid ends up at a birthday party and the child opening up the present gets something that maybe your kid has wanted for forever. I mean, maybe like one day, but in their life, it's like forever I've wanted that. And so the other kid 
is opening up this present and all of a sudden you see your kid getting upset or maybe it's at the end of the party and the goodie bag comes and the kazoo is in there and they wanted the green kazoo, not the blue kazoo and they're crying about the goodie bag and as a parent you're like, are you kidding me? This is not even your party. What are you upset about? Well, if we know that that is our kid's natural behavior, then what we can do is try and be proactive on the front end to set our kids up for success. And so one of the things that we do before we go to a birthday party is we pause and we say, all right, guys, whose party are we going to? We're going to my friends, you know. All right, uh, who, who's the party for? It's for my friend. Who's going to get the presents? My friend's going to get the presents, you know. And so, and so you set them up and you say, all right, now, if they open up something that you've wanted for forever, what's going to be your reaction? And, you know, they're like, think about it. We're going to be happy for them. That's right. You're going to be happy for them. And, and if you open the goodie bag and you don't get the right color or whatever, are you going to be upset? Are you going to say to the mom, I didn't get the blue. I want it. You know, no, we're not going to do that. What are you going to say? You're going to, we're going to say thank you to them. We're going to be thankful that we got to come. And it takes a little bit of time to build this in and to figure that out. I mean, it's the same concept as when you're like getting ready to go into Target, right? And you know that the last time you were there, there was like this freak out moment in the aisle, um, the kid that's throwing themselves on the floor. Oh, come on. You know, you've all been there. And so the kids are, I want the toy and all of that, right? Well, what we can do proactively as parents is we can say to our kids on the way in, all right, here's what we're getting. Here's what we're not getting. If we walk by the toy aisle, here's what we're not going to do, right? We're not going to cry. We're not, okay. All right. We're all on the same page. And usually kids are pretty flexible in scenarios as long as you kind of give them a heads up and can set them up for success. See, watch this. Kids and humans, for that matter, by nature, are self-focused and self-centered. So unless we break that up proactively and teach our kids that there are moments in their life when it's not all about them, then they'll just naturally think that it is. And the truth is, this is not just true with our kids. This is true for us as adults, isn't it? What a reminder for us that, you know, you know what I'm talking about, where the coworker comes in and they're like, hey, look what I got. And we did this and we, we took this vacation or we just bought this new thing. And if our first reaction is, oh, gosh, I'm so jealous. Okay, we've got some growing up to do. That's not okay. There are moments in our life where we have to proactively go, you know what? This isn't about me right now. This isn't about what they got, and I wish I had it, and I wish I could live there, and I wish I could try. No, 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 stop that. See, humans by nature are self-centered and self-focused. But God wants us to not be self-centered and self-focused. But when, the Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice. And when something good happens, adults, listen, here's a little parenting lesson for ourselves. We got to cut that stuff off, man. That's ridiculous. That's good. So we really have to seize those teaching moments when they come. And they come all the time, sometimes in the most inopportune times, and other times we'll find them ahead of time. We can ask for God's help in that. Uh, number four, number four, work hard at making your relationship with your kids and your home a safe place. We have to work to make our homes a safe place. And this is not in a buddy-buddy kind of way, but in a parenting kind of way. You see, we want our kids to know that home is a place where they can talk about anything, where we're going to deal with stuff without freaking out. It is a safe place. 
place. We've been working on this a lot with our kids because I think it's our normal reaction as adults, but it's definitely, definitely in kids. The, the normal reaction when something goes wrong is to want to run away, right? Is to, I, I, you know, for the kids, it's to run upstairs, slam their door, leave me alone, you know? And so, and so for us as parents, we've been working on this with our kids. Hey, we're not going to run away. We're going to deal with things as they come. We're going to talk it out. It's okay if you messed up. Let's stop and let's actually talk this out. Well, we've been dealing with this with our kids and, and Will, our oldest son, a couple of weeks ago, the scenario happened and we're on the couch. Next thing you know, like, like Matt said, it's like almost right before bedtime. Big oh. blow up happens. He stands up. He's upset. He's running toward the stairs. We we're like, buddy, buddy, this is one of those times. Get over here. We're going to talk it out. And he was standing right at the bottom of the stairs and he paused and he turned around and he came and he sat down. He's like, all right, let's talk it out. And so for us, it was just such a proud moment, right? Where you have those things where you've been hounding and working through and it actually worked. We actually kind of stopped and we're like, oh, he wants to talk. Let's talk this out, you know? <laughs> so, so it, again, for us, it's all about creating a safe yeah, place. We want our kids to know that there's, there's nothing they could do. There's nothing that they could face that isn't a safe subject to talk about at home. Now, yeah. yes, there might be consequences to their actions. Yes, true. But we're going to talk that through. Because when we make our home an unsafe place for them emotionally, I think we drive our kids underground and we drive our kids to keeping secrets, which is not what we want. Yeah, one of the practical ways that we do this, because you might be thinking, well, what do you mean a safe place? And how do you have these conversations? One of the real practical things that we do around our house is when, when it's dinner time, we do what we call our touchdowns and our fumbles. It goes really well with the series, actually, but it goes really well because we have two boys. And so what we do is we go around the table as adults and as kids, and we say, what was your high today? And if you had any lows, what was your low? What was your touchdown? And a lot of times it's easy to come up with the negative, isn't it? But we force our kids and ourselves to celebrate the positive things that happened in the day too. And so we celebrate those touchdowns. And then if there's a fumble, we get to share it. And it's amazing in creating that safe place, what might come out. Drew, our youngest son, just a couple of months ago, it got to the to the uh, fumble part, and he was like, well, I just had a horrible day. And we were like, wow, we've been with you for a couple hours, and we didn't even know that. And we were like, what happened? But he starts telling this whole scenario about this kid in his class and how upset he was. And then he was like, I just feel like I want to hate him right now. We were like, wow, okay, well, let's talk about it. See, if our reaction in that moment when he said, I feel like I want to hate him right now, was like... <gasps> That's horrible. You shouldn't hate. The Bible says don't hate. You know, that whole, if, if we freaked out on him, here's what he is going to subconsciously begin to learn. This is not a safe place for me to share my emotions. And when I talk freely and openly about my emotions, I'm going to get shot down. We want our home and our relationship with our kids to be a safe place. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 says this, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Exasperate. I love that word. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And that's what we're talking about, creating a safe place that doesn't exasperate our kids. And I think this works at every age. I remember when I was a teenager, my parents did a great job of this when I was growing up. 
My parents created our home to be a safe place. My friends, we, they used to love coming over to our house. That They would come over. We'd do Bible studies at our house. We'd have swimming parties. The whole, my, my friends loved coming to dinner at my house with my parents. Because my mom and dad created a safe place for us as teenagers. We didn't want to go hang out in somebody else's house. It wasn't safe there. We loved hanging out at home. So I think this works at every level of our parenting. Number five. Number five of the parenting playbook is this. Be on the same page as husband and wife. Now, this is a huge one for those of us who are raising children and are married and are married. And honestly, this is a lot harder than I think we thought it would be. We've, you know, dated and have been married for 13 and a half years. And this is a hard one because it's not in the big issues. A lot of times it's in the small things along the way. Yeah, which blows my mind. Like she just, I mean, we've been married like 13 and a half years. We've dated five and a half years before that. We've been together like forever. And there are still issues. Parents, you know, in parenting where it's like something is said, I'm like, what? How do you see it that way? How can you feel that way? We're like, boys, mommy and daddy need to go in the bedroom. We're going to talk this out. We'll be back and let you know what our opinion is. Like, seriously, like we do that. I'm, I'm amazed how often we have to do that, where we have to stop and go, all right, guys, hang on. We, mommy and daddy got to go get on the same page and we'll go in the other room and just start talking to them. Yeah, we come back out and they're like, uh, what was your decision? <laughs> Hers or his? <laughs> right? Ours. Um, <laughs> it's ours now when we come out. Uh, but here's the deal, because some of you might be listening to that and thinking, I can't even imagine going in and having these conversations. But the truth of the matter is the only way to be on the same page in your parenting is to be on the same page in your marriage. Yeah, let me, let me jump in on that. The only way to be on the same page in your parenting is to be on the same page in your marriage. And what that means is marriage doesn't come second to parenting. Listen, I think it's possible that there are some of us who are here today or you're listening online, you're watching online, listen. And before you had kids, you you guys, your life had a rhythm to it, had an orbit to it. It was incredible. You just were on fire for God, and your marriage was white hot, and you would serve, and you would go places, the whole deal. But then all of a sudden, you started having kids, and it's like everything changed. And instead of your world revolving around the Lord and and around each other and making your marriage everything it can be, now that you've had children, you've let them become the center of your universe. And I just want you to know, listen, that is not okay. That's not okay. Because if, if, if this isn't strong, if our marriage isn't strong, if our marriage is second, and little Johnny or little Jane starts controlling our world and everything we do now revolves around them, instead of them being an addition to our family, it's not okay. If we're going to be on the same page in our parenting, then we got to make sure we're on the same well, page. Well, and a lot of this looks like fighting for it, right? Because right. I understand that for a lot of us, this is a hard one, especially if we've got the guilt thing going on, right? Well, if, I put e- if we put each other first, I feel guilty, or I don't know how we would do that because I feel guilty. Listen, you have to fight for it. Yes. You have to want it. You have to fight for your marriage. I know for us, we fight for our date night. That's right. We fight to make that a priority. Every year, the two of us go on vacation without our kids for an entire week. And guess what? As our kids have gotten older, it's, mom, are you going to take us? I want to go. 
I can't get, guess what? No guilt. No, we put our marriage first. That's right. And that is worth fighting for. You have to want it. You got to fight for it. And, and by the way, let me just say this to the ladies who are wives in the room. Your husband needs you to be more than a mom. He needs you to be more than just a mom. You have to do more than just raise your kids together. You have to do more. Come on. You have to do it more. Come on. Okay? All right. And, and let me just say this. I'm not talking about the chicken dance, all right? Woo! Okay. So mm. I'm off my soapbox on that. Preach it, girl. <laughs> a happy husband equals a happy daddy. That's right, baby. <laughs> Let's close in prayer. The other two don't matter. That's good. That girl can preach. I'm just telling you. She can preach. Number six. <laughs> High five. <laughs> Woo! That was hot. Awesome. All right. I'm all distracted. And Ooh, number six. <laughs> major. Major on the majors. Number six. Major on the majors and minor on the minors. Major on the majors and minor on the minors. Sundays, obviously, in our family are a work day. They're a big day. And not just for us, but for our kids as well. Our kids get to the high school. Uh, here we have church on Sundays, uh, about 8 in the morning-ish. And then they're here all the way through both services. And we don't usually leave the property till after 1 o'clock. And so a lot of Sundays, Sarah and I will want to, you know, go to a, a nice restaurant and get, you know, have a waitress serve us and just kind of start to debrief and, and just reflect on the day. But there are a lot of Sundays where our boys will be like, you know, we're like, hey, where do you guys want to go to eat? And, you know, they'll go, hey, can't we just go to a fast food restaurant and go through a drive-thru and just, you know, go home and just veg and chill? Here's the deal. As parents, we could be like, no, we're the parents, my God, you're going to do what? We could, we could do one of those, okay? We could throw it down and be like, I'm the dad and I said so, type of a thing. Here's the thing. We can make that kind of a deal a major issue. But in our home, what we try and do is we try and figure out what the majors are and what the minors are. And so for us, a lot of Sundays, we'll just go through a drive through and just go home and let the kids chill because we want our boys to know that they have feelings, that they have a voice, they have an opinion, and that their feelings and their opinion matter in our family. Right, so we'll let them win some sometimes because we also want them to know that they're entitled to feel the way they feel and, and that those feelings are legitimate. And we're just responsible as adults to make sure that they know that those feelings are legitimate. Let, let me talk to those of you in the room who are parents of teenagers. And I am not yet. I recognize that. Thank God. Sorry. <laughs> Everything in this time. But parents of teenagers specifically, listen, I, I can't imagine the constant daily pressure that you're feeling. I can't imagine what it is to wake up every day with your teenager and in their world, you know, every other day, everything's changing. That They don't know what they think about God and I don't know what I think about myself and I, my relationships and my friends. And I, I, I have no idea the amount of pressure that you must be facing. But parents of teenagers, can I just say this? You got to figure out what your majors are and then major on the majors. Otherwise, there's going to be a temptation to think that every issue 
is a major issue. Right, so you've got to find some of those things that are your majors, and, and they may be different in your home, but things like, we want you to love God with all your heart. You've got to respect others. That means teachers. That means the opposite sex. You've got to do your best. We just want you to do your best to everything that you put your hands to. And so if you have some of those things that are majors like that, then when the minors come along, you can recognize them as minors. And so, yeah, they got to see on a test, but you know that they worked really hard. Well, that's not a major. Maybe that's a minor. And no, they didn't mow the lawn right or at the right time or they forgot or they did side to side and not long ways. Then, then that's minor. And, and we just have to set some of those majors so that we know when the minors come. That's what they are. If we focus on the minors like they're majors, then I think it's possible that we might end up with an 18-year-old who knows how to mow the yard correctly by 8 a.m. on Saturday, but is sleeping with their girlfriend on Friday night and pushing back away from us relationally in the process. Yeah, it, it all comes down to communication, really, communication between you as an adult and your, and your children. You've got to let them know what some of these majors are, and you have to let them know when the minors come along, that's just what they are, and you're just going to work through them together. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21 says this, Father, speaking to us men again, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Listen, in 10 plus years now of parenting, I can't ever think of a time where I've used the logic in my parenting because I'm the dad and I said so. That could be the worst parenting logic ever. Because I think it embitters our kids. Because I'm the dad and I said so. Listen, I don't want to work for a boss like that because I'm the boss and I said so. You know what that makes me want to do? It makes me want to do it to spite them. And it makes me want to run away from that leader as fast as I can. Listen, that's not what we want to do to our kids. We, wouldn't, we never use the logic, well, because I'm the parent and I said so. That may work when they're small because you're bigger than them and you can force them into it. But listen, that logic doesn't work. It only embitters our children. So we've got a major on those majors and then minor on the minors. Number seven. The last one in our parenting playbook is this. Own your own junk in front of them whenever you can. Own your own junk in front of them whenever you can. Yeah, own your junk is a phrase we use around <laughs> our house, which basically means when you mess up, own up to it, man. Listen, we, we try really hard as parents to own our junk in front of our kids whenever we can and as fast as we can. Like if my kids see me freak out or lose my cool or yell at somebody or do something, you know, whatever... I try and own that to them. I apologize to my kids a lot. <laughs> Seriously, because I want to model. We try and model for our kids. That, listen, when you mess up, own your junk. That's right. At the end of the day, we try to parent our kids the way that we would want to be treated. Right? So we, we, we try and parent our kids the way that we would want to be treated. Take a look at the golden rule. We all know it. Matthew 7, verse 12. It says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. So we're trying to model to our kids that it's okay to mess up. You just have to own it. I mean, for us as parents, we know that our kids aren't going to be perfect, and that's okay. When you're not perfect, when it's not right, just own it. If you sin, own it. If you hurt someone, own it. When you mess up, own 
your junk. And so we are trying to model that as parents because we mess up every day we miss the mark. And so when that happens in front of our kids, we just try and own it. Parents, here's, here's what we know. We know that this thing called parenting is not easy. And every single day, every week, we miss it. We mess up. We're, we're not perfect at this. We miss teaching moments. We're, we glaze over things. But we got to stay after it. We got we to gotta do this. And here's the reason why. Because parents, our relationship with our kids, winning at our relationship with our kids is the big game of our life. And we, we need God's help every day to get this big game of parenting right. So here's the challenge for us as parents today. Maybe some of you are in the room, and when we started talking about working on your marriage, you knew that was you. You got that almost sick feeling in the pit of your stomach because you were like, ah, that's what's been wrong in our parenting. It's our marriage. It's it's the basis. It's not right. You know maybe that your kids, you've let them kind of control things and, and take things over. And today, we are going to pray for you that God would start that restorative work where you are gonna fight for your marriage again. Some of us parents, you know that you've been using the, because I'm the parent and I said so logic, and today it stops. Today is the day where we need to pray and commit that we're going to start communicating with our kids like never before. We're going to include them in the conversation, create a safe place, let them know that their voice and how they feel matters and is legitimate. we got to do that today. Some of you in the room are just absolutely exhausted. You're just tired. You're just tired from the phase that you're in. Maybe some of you are single parents and you're tired of doing it alone. We are going to pray for you today that you would not give up, that you would fight the fight, and that that exhaustion would just be gone, and that the Holy Spirit is going to take over where you can't, because we are raising the next generation, and they, they are so worth it. Absolutely. So let's go ahead, bow our heads, and let's pray. Father God, we just come to you today, God, and we ask for your presence, God, to just flood over each and every one of us. God, for those of us who know that our marriage isn't right and we know that it's affecting our parenting and our kids, God, I ask that you would give each couple the courage to face it, God, the courage to have some big discussions, the courage to reach out to others and get help. God, we ask that you, Father, would restore marriages and that couples would start to fight again, fight the good fight. God, for each other, we are asking you for that. God, I pray right now for the parents in the room who need to make a rededication a recommitment to re-up, to begin communicating with their children, their kids, their teens, like never before. God, do that work in us as parents, that we would, we would recognize that, that we would validate 
their voice, that we would include our kids in the process, that we would begin to see that our relationship with our kids is a big game. It's a huge game in our life. And Father, we pray right now for any parent who's here today who's just flat exhausted. God, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that a renewal, a refreshing would come to them. I pray that you would just re-energize our passion to invest in the children that you have blessed us with. Your word says that children are a blessing from you, God. So Father, I pray for any parent who's here or watching online or listening, who's exhausted, that you would just re-engage us for the fight. Father, thank you for our children. And I pray in the days and weeks, months and years ahead, that you would give us the ability to win at the big game of our relationship with our children in amazing ways. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all across this room, everybody said, Amen.